catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Recorded live.
welcome, brother. And I don't know what condition your life is actually in. At the time, Mr. City here watching this video. I don't know if you watched the entire three movies of this. I don't know if you consumed other content of Warrior. I don't know if you know someone who is part of Wake Up Warrior or this is your very first experience. What I can tell you is you're here on this page. You are a man that fits into one of three categories. You are a man who is because you are currently broken. Your life is simply I have someone on the phone from Dr. DeMartini. Yeah. He said the caller, the call ID is not working, so it's already in use. Thank you, Randy. Hello? Hi, uh, it's Dr. Spanish. How are you? Good. So the, the call ID is not working? 145964? Mm -hmm. Hold on. I'm on it. One two four <laughs> yeah, I can give one more shot. No, I mean, he's in Canada. I wonder if that's the problem, but. It shouldn't be. I just did an interview in Canada. With the same same line. That's the one four five number, one four five. And then it should just go through. You don't need a pin number. Maybe you just hit pound. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what else. So I guess we can try to reschedule it. No. Hello? 
Hey, Dr. Martini. Hey, Doc. Hey, there you I are. Got through. Hi. Hold, hold on one second. Let me go off Skype here. All right. I finally made it through. Hey, Doc. Technical difficulties, right? Good morning. Always some. Good morning. How are you doing, bud? Great. Fantastic. Great. So uh, tell me any, any you know, I have obviously some questions for you, but anything that you want to hit on particularly before we start? No, whatever will serve your audience. You know your audience, just you can ask anything you want, anything that will help them. Nice. Same as yours. We're mostly Kairos. But, uh, all right. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in for this episode of the podcast. We have a very, very special guest today, Dr. John D. Martini. Dr. John D. Martini is a chiropractor, but now he's an international best-selling author, international speaker, famous all over the world, and really an international man of wisdom and wit and just a really amazing guy. I personally had experience with Dr. D. Martini. I've been to his Breakthrough Experience seminars, uh, been through a bunch of his programs, read most of all of his books, and been through all of his programs. So he's been a really influential guy for me as well. And uh, hopefully you find it find it useful information. He's just a great guy. So thanks for being on, Dr. Martini. How are we doing today? I'm doing great, and thank you for having me. We had a little right. bit of a thanks challenge getting on the, the, the pin <laughs> number, but I got through. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, it's always something, these technical difficulties. The more technology we have, the more problems, I think, sometimes, right? But uh, so tell, I think most of our audience is probably pretty familiar with this, but give us a little background about your story from being a practicing chiropractor to the international man that you are today. Well, um, in 1982, I opened up my practice in Houston, Texas, and I uh, had a little 974-foot square office, and I had myself and one assistant, and uh, I was blessed that nine months later, we had a 2,100-square-foot office and about five people, and then nine months later, I had a 5,000-square-foot office and 12 staff members and five doctors, so I, I was blessed to... Uh, be able to serve as many people as I could imagine. And um, I did outrageous things to help build the practice, from speaking in restaurants to speaking <laughs> engagements to uh, engaging families to going door-to-door to meet people, to whatever I could. To, I was under the motto that the more people I meet and greet, the more I get to serve. Absolutely, and that's, uh, that's a great thing. And then that's the way we teach docs how to build their practice today. And a lot of, all those methods still work, you know, meeting people, shaking hands, and Social media is still great, but, um, you know, it's still nice to meet people in, in, in person, one-on-one. It's still kind of the best way to do business for chiropractors Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Absolutely. If you care about people, they, they care to come, I always say. Absolutely. And then uh, tell us a little bit about transitioning into the author and speaker that you are today. Well, I was a speaker since I was 18. I, I, I started speaking back then. I, all, all the way through my education, which is nearly 10 years, I, um, I was involved in speaking all the way through. And when I was even in professional school, I did talks every night and sometime during the day. And that's how I paid through school. And then when I got into practice, I continued that, except I extended it into the various medias. I did radio and television, had my own show. And I started to um, you know, reach people and had, had evening events every night, which I call HEAL lectures, health education awareness lectures. And every night I did talks and uh, did radio and television and whatever media I could to expose, and that uh, kept exposing me to new people. And, I, and any opportunity I get to speak, I, I did. I did elevator seminars. I did restaurant seminars. Anywhere where two or more gathered, I'd, I'd start sharing, and, and that helped me serve more people. That's a, that's a great story. And, yeah, it's a great point, too. A lot of people see somebody like you packing rooms at Parker or these big seminars that you do, and, 
you know, I've seen you speak. You're a great speaker, but people don't realize that you probably took years of working up and practicing and smaller events and building your way up to be the, the great speaker that you are today. You don't just wake up and become an international speaker like you, right? No, I, I, I put in a few hours. I, I <laughs> a lot. 10, My Breakthrough Experience program, which I've done 1,032 times now, which is a 25-hour, 26-hour program over a weekend, so I put in over 30,000 hours just into that one program, just that one program, 30,000 hours. Yeah, that's so the key we, to your success. Served, a lot of people, it's 90, that 10,000-hour rule. you got to spend a yeah, lot of time did, to uh, – Yeah, we 90,000 90, people with just that one program. And, wow. Uh, so I, I, I keep doing it. You know, I just keep – I always say if you, uh, if you just do something you love to do every single day, eventually everybody else dies out and you get to somewhere at the top. <laughs> you just got to <laughs> Never get back on the dream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's some good information. I mean, you get better and better things. And Malcolm Gladwell and a couple of these people talk about those 10,000 hours. You know, you really got to put in your time and, and practice and get better and better. At every, no matter what you're doing, you're a chiropractor, speaker, and author. You know, the more time you put in and people think that everybody's an overnight success and they don't see all the years of hard work put into behind these events. And if you go through a breakthrough experience with you now, you'll see how great it is, but you don't realize you put all these years and hours into work into it, right? Exactly. I, uh, you know, you refine it as you go, and uh, incremental momentum-building action steps and refinements build eventually masterpieces. So you just got to give yourself permission to be a master of what you love doing. You know, if you ask yourself every single day what worked and what didn't work and create a, a massive checklist of the things that were proven to work and not and guide yourself and keep yourself a metric. So if you're really committed to something, you'll metric it. And the metric will see if you're really achieving it, and anything that's working and not working will refine it. And, and it's impossible not to achieve it if you stay with it doing that. So I just keep doing that. I keep metricing and I keep refining. Yeah, that's a couple of great points there. The metrics, too, you know, I'll get calls from doctors trying to help build their practice. And you just ask them the simple metrics of how many new patients, patient visits, and, you know, just simple metrics they should know. And they, they don't have this information with them. And you wonder why they're struggling in practice because they're not, not judging the metrics like you just mentioned. Well, Did we talk they, about, go ahead. Yeah, a lot of people are also having incongruent goals. I had a, a doc one time who said, I want to golf twice a week. I want to see X number of patients. I want an X dollar per patient. I want this and that. And, and it was all incongruent. And he never really, really worked it through. And so it's just the brain just deleted it because it goes, this is not possible. So you make sure you set a goal that's real, that's congruent, that the metrics all match and work, and then you have a real true strategy. You know, you only have three things you control in your life, your perceptions, your decisions, and your actions. A goal that's not a perception, a decision, or an action is not controllable. So you have to make sure that they're really perceptions, decisions, or actions if you want to get somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Great point there. I'll run into that at the same time, too. Yeah, you can't uh, want more business success, more free time. You know, you can't always have everything. you got to kind of do your goals and values. Uh, one of the things, you know, I read a lot of books, a lot of seminars, just like you, and, and coming out of Breakthrough and all your stuff, the one thing, like, you know, I've been to hundreds of hours, and one of your things that just kind of sticks with me, and it's almost in my head every few days, is how you talk about, you know, people acting according to their values. And, like, that's just like, you know, I've read so much stuff and been to so many seminars, but just something that pops up, you know, every once in a while when you're, you know, thinking about making money and the wife's thinking more about the family and the kids, and I'll just hear Dr. Martini in my head talking about values a little bit. Can you – uh? Expand that a little bit. It's really been kind of a life-changing concept for me. So if you could just give our audience a couple minutes of your values, would be great. Well, every human being lives by a set of priorities, a set of values, things that are most important to least important in their life. 
and whatever it is that's truly highest on their value list, what their life truly demonstrates is most meaningful, important, and inspiring, this is where they need to put their focus. Because if they fill their day with high-priority actions that inspire them, their life won't fill up with low-priority distractions that don't. They're reliable, they're committed, they're focused, and disciplined spontaneously from within on the highest value. This is where they'll excel. This is where they'll have the competitive advantage. This is where they'll achieve the most. So knowing what the highest values are and organizing and prioritizing your life to do such, this makes the difference. See, I research, write, travel, teach. I don't do anything else. Everything else is delegated away. I haven't driven a car in 27 and a half years. I haven't cooked since I was 24 years old. Anything that's lower on my values, I learn to delegate and get it off my plate so I can put my energy onto the thing that's most inspiring. When I was in practice, the highest priority thing I could be doing is getting out there and sharing the message. The second highest priority is locating subluxations and adjusting subluxations. After that, it was delegated away. I didn't do those, but those two things, share the message, adjust the spine. The rest of it, I delegated out and let everybody else do what they do. Make sure you got people in there that, that want to do what you want to delegate, so you're free to do what you do best. Yeah, that's some great, great information, especially for chiropractors. You know, that, that's right. You should be delegating the rest, and those really are your high-value activities. I found the value stuff that you teach really helped me more with, like, kind of dealing with other people. You know, you have a, the staff are running out the door at 6.30 on a Friday to get the happy hour, and, you know, you want to see more patients and, you know, you know help more people because you, your values are so different than theirs. When you stop trying to, you know, put your values on others, that's really powerful stuff. Can you go on and explain that a little bit more, Doc? Well, nobody goes to work for the sake of a company. They go to work to fulfill what they value most. And if they have a very high value on their family and children and you're wanting them to work past the time that they need to be with their children in their mind, they're going to resist. Uh, unless you can show how it's going to help their children to work late, they're going to resist. So you either got to hire somebody that's values are more in line with the job, which is ideal, or you need to learn the art of communicating what you want in terms of their values so they're engaged. And because their engagement level will determine the productivity and how much they're really present with the clients. And people can sense that difference. So the key is to know when you're hiring people to know what their values are and to make sure that they can see how the job description will help them fulfill what's most meaningful to them. Because if they can't see it, you're going to be micromanaging and, and you're going to have to be motivating. And motivation is a cost, not a solution. It's always a, a symptom, never a solution. Getting people intrinsically inspired from within so they can fulfill what they value most is the key to a productive game, game in business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it gets rid of a lot of frustration. I mean, like I said, I can almost hear your voice in my head once a week or something from that breakthrough talk where, you know, you said you're mad, your your staff don't want to stay late, or your wife wants to, you know, spend time with the kids instead of, you know, working, or, you know, then you just realize, here, Dr. Martini saying, you know, they're acting according to their values. So it's, when you really understand that, it's really powerful. It's kind of a simple concept, but it's so, so powerful when you really comprehend it well. Yeah, we did a, we worked with a company called Uniqlo Corporation in Japan, I teach, uh, as you know, for all over the world with it, and I teach the value applications. And one company, which is the largest manufacturing clothes in the world, one of their head managers of their, their flagship uh, offices in Tokyo uh, came to the program and trained on that, brought it into, the pro into their company, and five of the people he trained, they, their productivity went up. He shared it with 15, and then it went up. He shared it with five other branches, it went up, and then 15 branches, and then at the end of the year, when they had a, an award ceremony for the top producers, 11 of those people he trained were the top producers. So Tadashi Anai, who owns the company, is worth about $25 billion, uh, asked if I could come into Tokyo to meet with him. And we had a conversation for about two and a half hours. 
about how this value system works, and he put it in worldwide. So now that's incorporated worldwide into the and unique across the world, and it's in every country, and they include that value structure. So if it works for a big company, and it made them $1.47 billion additionally that year, there's no reason why it can't work for any company, including practices, but it works. And when you're talking to patients, you know, they're not there. I, I learned a long time ago when a patient calls in or comes in, they, uh, you know, they have a reason for being there, but the reason that you think it is isn't always what's really the reason. So I used to ask the patient, you know, what is this uh, shoulder problem keeping you from doing that's vitally important? Because I see that your shoulder problem has been going on for six months, but you're just now coming in. Well, uh, the other day I was, I was getting on the, driving on the, on the highway, and I had my kids in the car, and I was about to pull onto the on-ramp, and I couldn't turn my neck because my shoulder was so sore, and I didn't check very carefully and almost ran into a car and almost injured my kids. And when he did that, he said, I'm now, I need to go in there. So his real reason for going in there wasn't a shoulder problem. His reason was in there to make sure he didn't kill his kids, to make sure he didn't hurt somebody. So you've got to find out what the real values are for why people are doing what they're doing if you want to communicate effectively in their values. Yeah, that's a great point, too. It's funny. I bring that up in my staff meeting. I have several chiros and PTs and acupuncturists, and I, every week in the staff meeting I say that. They're really not in for the – Almost nobody's in for the pain that they're telling you you're in. They're in because they can't pick up their grandkid. They can't golf anymore. They can't fish. Like your story just said, it's funny because I, I harp on my clinical staff, you know, constantly on that point. You find out the real reason why they're coming in. It's not, it's not what you yeah. think almost ever. Exactly. If you communicate in their values, um, people are very receptive to have what you have to offer if you can communicate in their values. But they'll shut down and resist if you don't. So it's an art. It's about caring. I always say if you care less, you'll, care, you'll project your values onto others. If you care full, you'll try to live by their values instead of your own. But if you're caring, you'll find a way of both people getting what they want with a win-win. And caring is what keeps the rings on the finger in marriage and keeps the patience in the door in the practice. Yeah, absolutely. Great tidbits there, Whether no matter what you're doing in business, but certainly for private practice. Uh, you talked a little about being overseas. You're always, it's, you know, a lot of people always say they're international speakers and you know, just because they gave one seminar in Canada once, but you really truly are an international man. I see you all over the world, and you're particularly in Australia a lot. Is there, tell us a little bit about your travels and, uh, you know, where you like to go. And you seem to be in Australia a lot. Is there a connection there? Is there a, a specific well, reason I, I why go we're... To I'm going to Australia today, in fact, this afternoon. Um, <laughs> I, I go, I, I, my, I had a wife who passed away about 14 years ago who lived from Australia. That's where she was from. Uh, so I started going to Australia in 1994, and I've been going at least four times this year. I've already been three times this year. So I'll be going, wow. this will be the fourth time. And I go at least four or five times a year, generally. But I've been doing that since 1994. So I've gone 24 years times four or five times. I've been there about 110 times, I think. That's and, a long um, flight to be going that much. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think about that. I just, I, flying is nothing to me. You know, I full-time travel, even when I live on my, I live on a ship. So even if when I'm on my ship, I'm traveling. Or if I'm not, I'm in flight traveling. So I live traveling. I always say that the universe is my playground, the world is my home, every country is a room in the house, and every city is a platform to share my heart and soul. So I, I, I kind of have a global life. But Australia is really just a hip, hop, skip, a jump away the way I look at it. And I love being on a plane because I can get my work done. I can read and I can write and um, think about what my plans are. But when I get there, I, I do a lot of programs and consult, and I'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there for the next 12 days there. Then I go from there to Singapore, then Lithuania, and then I think to London and then back to Africa. 
They're a busy man. And how did that all grow internationally? I mean, how did you grow an inter, you know an international audience from starting in the U.S.? How did that all happen? Well, I, I had a that was the dream when I was 17 years old. I, I I had that vision when I was 17 that I was going to do it. I have a famous painter in Melbourne, Australia, that painted a painting of me, of the vision that I saw when I was 17, and I've been working on it ever since. Whenever I speak, uh, wherever people come from, uh, you know, I have a map of the world in my office. I've got a globe on my desk. I've 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 got clocks from every country, and they're in the room. And I I visioned it, and I worked on it. And anytime people came from other places, I would try to engage some sort of interaction with them to see new opportunities. And then I, I my name, I guess people started liking what I had to say. My books went international. We now have students in every country on earth. As of 2016, we have students from every country, and I've I've been to yeah, over wow. 40 countries. So I've, I've I've been blessed to do a bit of traveling. Yes, certainly have. You got a you got a world record for frequent fly miles, I think, Doc. There's we're a lot of going, we're over eight million. We're going on nineteen million now. <laughs> wow! You fly commercial, or how do you fly usually? I've been mostly commercial because uh, I have some inter- uh, you know private jets, but most of it's commercial, primarily because going the long hauls of fourteen hours or whatever, doing the private jets are ridiculously priced. You know, paying hundred thousand dollars to go down there to do a hundred thousand dollars worth of business doesn't make sense. So <laughs> no. I, I do a flight that's you know, first class, and I, I do, it's very comfortable, it's no, no problem. I don't have a problem with the flying. People say, well, how do you try all the time? No problem at all. They, they, they treat me well, I have no problem. Very seldom do yeah. I have major problems. The more you travel, I think the easier it gets, right? Yeah, I got Usually it down to a science. And I got I'm so sure many miles, they, 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 they do me, they pretty do me pretty well. <laughs> take pretty good care of you. Yeah, I, was just, I don't even remember, I was just reading something about a guy couldn't finish a book and, uh, he booked himself a first-class flight to San Francisco and then booked it right back home on the same flight. He wrote his book on the way there, got off the plane, stretched his legs, got back on, and finished the whole book by being locked in a plane for 12 hours straight and just made himself finish his book. So might be something to that, Doc. Well, I, I, I was told by Ed Tullison when I was 20 years old, who was a mentor of mine, uh, he said, never live where you can't see the farthest horizon. So I've, I've always had my, my homes since, since I was about 28, I guess, I've always lived where I can, you know, look out and see the farthest horizon. So I'm, we had uh, we lived in Trump Tower underneath Donald on the 62nd floor. I've got a place on the 63rd floor, another one on the 61st floor. We had one in Mykonos on top of the mountain, and I got one at sea with the ocean. And I, my office in Houston's on the 52nd floor. So I I followed his doing because he said if you limit yourself and you have anything blocking your view, it'll block your life. So always get where you can't have anything blocking you. You can see the farthest horizon because it'll expand your vision and opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. That's some good good information and tidbits there for sure. We've talked about the breakthrough experience a couple times on this podcast. Since uh, we've been talking about it, can you elaborate a little bit more what, what happens at the breakthrough experience? Those of us haven't been through it, or I haven't been through it, but well, other I, listeners haven't been through it. This is the program that I love doing the most. I, I do it 43 times a year in some country somewhere uh, where I just help people break through whatever they see in the way and turn it into on the way for whatever it is they want to accomplish in life. So I don't know what it's going to be. I have some people that want to accomplish things in their relationship or their health or their business or their finance or, or their mystical quest or their fitness. I mean, we've had, we, have some, we had two gold medalists the other day and their coach in Melbourne's break, too. We have actors in there sometimes. We have people that are in business. We've got uh, I've, I've had every imaginable person in there, from young kids that have aspirations. But it's a program that I've been doing for 29 years now and doing everything I can with whatever resources I have to, to help people take whatever they say they want to accomplish and how to get there. So it's a very inspiring two days where I 
I teach people about human behavior and how about values and about prioritizing and about breaking through limitations and breaking through fears and guilts and anything that's stopping them from going forward. I, I show them the best I can and to break them through. That's our that's the program I've been doing. Like I said, 29 years. Well, wow. so, yeah, it's a quite quite a great program. I'd highly recommend it if you haven't been. Definitely check it out. He's all over the world, like you said, but he, he comes around uh, pretty much most parts of the country. You can get him and uh, Canada and Australia and everywhere else as well. So, yeah, it's a no, definitely a great program. I've learned a lot from it, and it's absolutely great stuff. Uh, tell us a little bit. It's interesting. You mentioned it at the breakthrough a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about living on your boat, on that boat that you live on, the cruise ship. You touched on it at the breakthrough experience. I thought it was a pretty cool story. Tell our listeners a little bit about the yeah, boat I've you been, live on. I've been living on the world. It's a, it's a private uh, condominium yacht. It's not a cruise ship exactly. That's a public thing. This is a private ship. There's, it's about a $2 billion ship. It's divided up between 100 of us, and um, we basically travel around the world. We go where we want to go, and it, it's right now going. It's in Marseille today. It was in Barcelona yesterday. Uh, it's, it'll be in the Mediterranean. I'll catch it probably in, in Croatia uh, next and then in Serrano. Um, and what I do is I, in between my programs, wherever I am, I, I get off and on it, off and on. And, uh, but most of the time I'm flying around speaking, because that's what I love doing. But that's where I've been living for 16 and a half years, almost 17 years. October will be 17 years. Yeah, you are the international man, that's for sure. Like I said, a lot of people kind of say that, but you certainly are living the life, and that's great for you. You're fulfilling all your dreams and destinies by living the international lifestyle. How do you uh, see the chiropractic profession? You've been around the profession. You kind of got your started with us, and doing, you've done a lot of seminars. How do you, uh, you, know, how do you feel that the chiropractic profession is doing in the direction it's heading into? Well, you know, I, I think it's exactly one, – one doctor asked me, I was speaking in, I think, Toronto, I guess about five years ago, and a guy asked me, where do you see the profession going? And I said, well, if you're a leader, you'd be telling me. If you're a follower, you'd be asking me. And I, and I tell him, I said, where do you want to take it? <laughs> and I said, I said you know, if, if, you, if you leave it up to me, it's going to go in where I want to take it. If you, if you leave it up to you, you take it. The leadership is what you decide to do. But I, I think that there's every there's a whole spectrum of chiropractors out there, as you know, and there's some that are very, very, very you know re- reference based and evidence based and very medical oriented. And you got others that are more you know vital and more more uh, you got, I guess you could say the straight mixer the straight guys. Yeah. There, there's a whole spectrum out there, and as far as I'm concerned, it's all needed because there's a there's a match for patients out there because different patients have different needs. And I think the profession is going exactly where the, the doctors are willing to grow their practice. If everybody grows their practice and massively practice and serve lots and lots of people, the practice and the profession keeps going. But if the people stop serving, you know, it's all about service. It's about filling people's needs. And I see there's some out there that are doing extraordinary jobs, and they've got massive numbers of clinics, and they do amazing things. And I see others that struggle because they don't, they're focusing on themselves instead of focusing on serving people. So I think the profession is a reflection of the people, and I do my best when I go and speak to chiropractors to, you know, give yourself permission to do something extraordinary for the sake of the profession and your own life. So I don't see it going anywhere except where it's been going and growing. I don't see how it cannot grow. It serves people. Yeah, some great points there. Yeah, that, that straight mixer argument never seems to die down. But I always say the same thing you do, you know, it's, how somebody else practices doesn't affect me, and there's patience for them, patience for me, and there is a spot for everybody out there. And that whole uh, argument that we can't seem to ever get over is, always seems kind of silly. You know, it doesn't bother me if somebody how somebody practices in Houston and I practice in New Jersey, but uh, I guess that that's a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> yeah, I was I was speaking in Miss, Mississippi one time. It's quite interesting. I had the 
the president of the ACA and the president of the ICA speak in front and behind me. And then I was able to make the closing remarks. It was hilarious. The ACA ACA guy was talking about one thing. The ICA guy was talking about the other. They were basically having some differences. And I sat there, and and I was sandwiched in between them, and then I got to make the final close. And the final close was, why can't we see the purpose of all this? <laughs> I don't understand why you have to take a side. You know, you've got a, a dialectic of one person fighting for one side, one fighting for the other, and why not see that they both serve? I don't see any problem with all, both of them. I never did have a problem with either one. You know, yeah, one same here. One way practice the other. As far as I'm concerned, be, let's be inclusive, not be exclusive. Yeah, maybe they need to attend one of your breakthrough seminars, Doc, and get them together and, you know, get through the values and, and get, get this sorted out. The more narrow the mind, the more rigid the belief. And the more expanded mind, the more honoring and expansive and more inclusive. So I try to expand people's minds so they can be inclusive and appreciate that, that everybody has different values. And these complementary opposite values are what make it all work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll tell you, that value, it really is life-changing. It's, you know, we've kind of glossed it over. You definitely have to get into Dr. Martini stuff. When you really appreciate what he's trying to tell you guys there with the values, it really can really change your life like it has for me, just – you know, really change your perspective on so many different things. So it's really powerful information. All right, Doc. So if anybody wants to get in touch with you, go to a seminar, get your books, tell us a little bit more how to find you, get in touch with you, and come experience one of your live events. Well, the easiest way to get a hold of me is just go to my website, drdmartini.com, or possibly my Facebook. But drdmartini.com, if you go on there, it's about to have a new website any day now, but uh, whatever's on there, uh, there'll probably be a little bit of a, uh, a transition here in the next week or two, but but if you go on there, it, it tells you where I am involved in my events, at least the public events. It's got you know thousands and thousands of articles because I get a lot of interviews around the world. It's got inspired writings. It's got media material. It's got books. It's got where I'm going to speak. It's it, it, you, you, it's an educational website. You could literally spend your whole day and life on there and and continue to grow and learn. So just drdmartini.com. If you find, if you just Great. type in my name, Dr. Demartini, you'll find me. I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, you are. Great stuff on the website. I said I've been through the breakthrough. It's an amazing experience. Definitely sign up for that. I think I bought all your books and audios. I have a whole big stack of your bundles at home. I've gone through all that. And he does share a lot of great stuff for free, too. So even if you're not purchasing anything, which I highly recommend you do, but yeah, he's sharing on Facebook and on his website. I'm on there, and uh, it's always good tidbits of information. And he's definitely given, given in the, uh, to get back, and that's the way to be successful is to give and service others, like he said, and it all comes back to you. But Dr. Martini certainly practices what he preaches on that end. So, Doc, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. Enjoy. I know you're a busy, busy guy. I appreciate you taking the time and enjoy your international travels. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for doing what you're doing, and thanks for keeping the profession growing and going. And um, I look forward to seeing you at the next uh, perfect time at one of the programs or wherever the next podcast is. Great. Thanks, Doc. Have a great trip. Thank you.